Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and for this holiday season, when you have nothing else to do and are stressed out driving to and from everyone's house, we're here to entertain you with all of our automotive know-how. So, Ben, what cars are we going to talk about today? Well, we have a, a couple of interesting vehicles to talk about, and actually they're both vehicles we've talked about in the past, but we're doing one of those Freaky Friday kind of things where we reverse our roles. Oh, yeah. so Sammy's driving something that I drove recently, and I'm driving something that Sammy drove recently, and we're going to see if opposites attract. <laughs> I think they do. All right. Um, why don't you take it away first? Because I think you also drove something that... Um, Actually, yeah. Tell me what you've driven. I, it's, I forgot completely. It's it's uh, in disguising your total lack of prepare, preparation for this week's <laughs> episode. I'm driving. I was driving the 2019 Subaru Ascent, which is a very big Subaru. I think it's actually the biggest Subaru um, ever built. Is that right, Sammy? Ever built, always, of all time, the biggest Subaru of all time. And you drove it recently, I think two months ago maybe, and we talked about it a bit then. And as I recall, you told me it had 19 cup holders. Is that correct? It has at least 18 cup holders and less than 20 cup holders. So I think 19, maybe 19. So that's like three six packs plus a coffee. Like that's what. I, <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a lot of of cup holders. I don't think I have 18 friends. So I don't, and you can't put 18 people in, you can't put, put eight, it's, it's a seven car. seat vehicle, right? It's so, yeah. for those who aren't familiar, it's big, it's a crossover, <laughs> if, of course it is, because everything is, and it's it's three rows, mm. and um, you can put seven people in it, so each of those people, if they had two drinks, there's still room for five more drinks. <laughs> so what do you think about that? I think that at that point, you're starting to get into the more bespoke um, pet drink market, where your cat, your dog, your parakeet, your ferret, it has its own drink. Uh, okay, can you put five dogs? If you are if you are my passenger on a road trip, what drinks would you bring? And and I told you, we cannot whatever we do, we can't stop to get to get liquids of any kind. Okay, what, what about to get rid of liquids because I have the world's smallest bladder. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, can, we can stop to get rid of liquids. Okay. So I think that the cups are also there for like your like 18 urine samples? No, 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 no. There's no... I'm not transporting <laughs> urine in a car. I'm sorry, but I've you aged... You're not trans... <laughs> How do you get to the... Once you go to the bathroom, what? You walk to the clinic every time? What The clinic? What are you talking about? To give them your, your urine samples. They, first of all, they stopped accepting my urine samples because they have enough. Thank you. That's what, that's what <laughs> I was told. But, no, I'm just saying that, like, so, I, I, I yeah, I, I, if we're stopping that, I guess, uh, decaffeinated iced tea, I think that's a go-to for me. Uh, water. Um, that's, two, that's two cups. Orange Crush. That's a third. Oh, yeah. Um, wow, this is getting tough. Uh, is it summer or winter? Um, both. When we, oh, that's tough. Start, uh, when we start our trip, we'll be in one season, and then when we finish, we'll be we'll be going north. Let's say okay, summer, well, and we're going north. Or so spring, there'll be north. some hot chocolate. Is one of these? Is one uh -huh. of the cup holders heated? None. Zero of them are heated. Oh man. Well, that's and also that's... zero of them are cooled. Okay. Okay. All right. So I guess that's that's my three. <laughs> you've got three, four, maybe four. You said hot chocolate. One. Yeah. Now you've got. Just to let you know, you've got 15 other cup holders. <laughs> well, are you not using any of these cup holders? Oh, I'll have water. You'll have water, and that doesn't need a cup holder? Yeah, uh, it'll be in the bottle holder. Are you Okay, all right. So moving on from the cup holders, 
Actually, it is insane. Like how many how cup holders are such a requirement for vehicles. And if you've ever been in, a, in an F one fifty or a pickup truck, they also have a ton of cup holders. <laughs> let me it's t- not just a it's not just a crossover thing. So let me tell you about my my F one fifty. My first the first one I owned was a nineteen eighty four F one fifty, and this was in the mid nineties, and uh, it didn't really have cup holders until you opened the glove compartment, and then the glove compartment door, which the glove compartment was made of cardboard inside, which is you know classy. <laughs> And the door of the of the glove compartment, it it, it it didn't really lay flat. Like, it had this chain, kind of, and it was sort of flat. And then it had these two concentric circles that were the, the, the thinnest of lips, like, on I top of it. And you were supposed to put your You're cup. You're using the weirdest terms <laughs> to describe everything. First of all, you said that there's a chain in the cup. Yeah, holder. it's a chain that holds the cup, that, that holds the... the 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 glove box door was like a chain that was like held. Who I don't know if it was vehicle. A guy at a uh, like a like a Eastern European guy at a club. Like, a what? chain. No, it's yeah, chain. It lasts forever. <laughs> um, and, and so you would put your cup there, and instantly any type of forward or or sideways motion would spill it because there was just no. It didn't hold it. It was just like it was like. In case you had never thought maybe you could put your cup on a flat surface while the vehicle was perfectly still, Ford was suggesting that's what you do. But not only that, but this is like the this is the dash all the way on the passenger side, right? So if you're driving, you have to lean like all the way across the vehicle to grab your your beverage. Because pickup trucks are wide generally. Yeah, and and this was like <laughs> back in the days when luxury trucks were not a thing. So I had several vehicles with that type of mentality. It's almost like the Porsche the Porsche cup holder that pops out of the dash. Where you oh, can what tell, a terrible one. oh yeah. yeah, you can tell they're just like so upset that they have to have a cup holder in the vehicle, so they put it in the worst place and make it as complicated as possible to use. It did not work very well at all. It it, it like expands like uh, like uh, horizontally. Yeah, cup, well, <laughs> it's super weird. And it just like starts, and it, as soon as you make a turn, everything's all over the place. It's just so if you're not familiar with it, it's 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 on the dash on the center stack near the vents, and and it comes out. But it's interesting because my WRX, my 2002 and my 2003, both had this a similar type of arrangement where it was above the vent on the on the left hand side on the center stack, and it would pop out, but it didn't like to pop back in. Like it, it folded down kind of when you pulled yeah. it out like a c it was like a cd tray that had a bottom and <laughs> and then you would try to push it back into the dash and it would like crinkle crumple crinkle and it would did it didn't like it my c-class had it, it like that now uh like that as well it had this really neat looking a very dramatic flip but like orientation you press a button in it and it like it's like a transformer it, like pops yeah, out of the center it dash. reminds then, me Sorry, putting it on. back and then putting it back was the most undignified. It was like, <laughs> and you're like, there, that's how it works. It, it, it reminds me of uh, remembering like 2003 when everyone had to have one of those head units that like popped out of the dash and like, yeah, yeah, and it gave you like a, a six inch screen or something or a five inch yeah. screen and it, like pop out horizontally and then flip vertically. I think that and was one the, in Fast and, and, and like Furious. Visualization of the the visualization of the audio in some weird way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like and then like if you were dra- if you were yeah. drag racing, it would say danger to manifold and then yes. like, the bottom of your passenger side floor pan would fall off onto the street and kill somebody <laughs> i thought those two items were unrelated it's you know what it's hard to tell <laughs> and that's that cinematic universe has so many rules that i i can't i'm waiting for the marvel fast and furious cinematic universe crossover, crossover? that's gonna That'd be incredible be or maybe just a spider-man crossover because he seems to be in everything 
But well, back... well, no, no. While we're on the subject of cup holders, my FRS has the worst, has terrible cup holder placement. They're basically behind you, in between <laughs> the two, the, the passenger and driver's seat, um, and it's it's so awkward to get something, whether you're using your left or right hand, because it's just uncomfortable as hell. Oh, and, but and you know what else is like that is the Mazda Miata. But the Miata, you can move it. You can move the cup holder if nobody's sitting in the passenger seat. You can put it in, like. It intrudes on the on the drive. On That's the true. So like if if you right. have never seen a Miata, the ND Miata, the most recent one, the 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 past. So what Sammy's talking about is there are these lift out cup holders and they snap into the center console and you can either put two of them like directly behind where your elbow is so that while you're shifting you can hit them with your elbow <laughs> yeah. or yeah. you could put it on the passenger side transmission tunnel so that if you have a passenger and you forget it's there they get in and hurt their knee yeah <laughs> like or immediately hurt their knee there's no way because you can't see it when you're swinging into the vehicle and by the time you've seen it you've already the impact has already happened lots of bmws have that same feature as well i believe the z4 and the x1 have that removable what's it, Zed, what's 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 Zed for? You mean Z4? Z, yeah. Okay. I just I, rolled, I just didn't. Did you hear me roll my eyes too? I, I didn't understand you for for a few seconds. It's like what, the, what trans- were we talking about? We were talking about the Subaru Ascent. So. Oh yeah, I drove that recently. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the so the Ascent actually, sorry, I said it was a seven passenger, but you can get an eight passenger one if you want. So I guess that's. 16 beverages total if everyone has two, which still leaves you with three phantom beverages. Um, what else does the Ascent have, Sammy? Like, what, what what do you remember? What was your – what did you like the most about it? Okay, I remember it having actually a pretty surprisingly nice interior for a Subaru. I think up till this year, we are used to seeing Subarus kind of um, – I don't want to say phoning it in, but feeling really utilitarian in terms of their interior layout and design. And I remember the Ascent, especially in the highest trim level, looking far more premium than Subaru has any right to be. Oh, I agree with you. I think that the one I had had this really like delicious chocolatey brown leather. Delicious. I love yeah, it. That's a good word. And it's an accurate word. It was just... Uh, did I, you try I, it? Did I try it? What do you mean? Did I, you I, like I, it? Do I have to tell you? <laughs> I mean, you said it was delicious. I liked and part you of said it. That was an accurate description. I liked part of it, um, but mostly I sat in it and touched it, uh, and that was good. I mean, better than expected. Um, there's something else. Something else that's interesting about the uh, Subaru Ascent is that it has the most powerful, or not the most powerful. So what am I saying? It has the largest turbocharged four-cylinder engine we've ever seen from from Subaru. That is definitely false. It has a 2.4 liter four cylinder engine. Yeah. So have we have have there been bigger turbocharged engines? Doesn't the STI use a 2.5? Oh wow, you're so right. <laughs> also, didn't they used to have tur- like six cylinders too? No, no, yeah, but they weren't turbocharged. Okay, cool. Okay, so I'm 100% wrong uh, about this. <laughs> That's you really embarrassing. Like the Halo vehicle for Subaru. That's really embarrassing. It's uh, all right. And that awesome. engine, that engine was also that that 2.5 was also in the uh, Legacy GT, and isn't it in the CX9? <laughs> What's in the CX9? The CX9 is a different vehicle from a different car company. Oh wow. <laughs> Are you okay today, Ben? How many cup holders does the CX9 have? It has less than 19. I'm totally losing it. Um, okay. I think you might yeah, you might have to take the wheel here, Sammy. I don't know what's going Well, okay, so 2.4 liter flat four, yeah. 260 horsepower, 277 pound-feet of torque, and unfortunately, it has a continuously variable automatic transmission to go with that. And I, I, I just not super enamored of that transmission. It's not mm-hmm. terrible. Uh, it's not great. It's just kind of there. Sammy, what did you think? 
So about the 2.4, and I think you're right when you're talking when we talk about the 2.4 because I think in a way it's related to the two liter turbo that's used in the WRX and the um and the old Forester XT. Don't try to cover from my total faux pas back there. I messed up, and that was all on me. So everyone, everyone, everyone so I gets think a point. It's, it's the first big um, four cylinder or, or large four cylinder turbo from from Subaru that we've seen in a very long time. Um, ah. It makes what two hundred and fifty horsepower? I more. just said it two sixty and two seventy seven. Yeah, see, I'm allowed to get things wrong too. You didn't get it fit. wrong. I got it wrong, and then and then you tried to make me feel better. And I I love that. that. I like I like that engine. It's a very smooth engine, in my opinion. It is. It um, is smooth. Surprisingly um, smooth because I think sometimes uh, Subaru, again, I don't want to say phones it in with their turbos, but sometimes their turbos can feel really old school and just like, oh, you want turbo? Mm, here it is. And it's just <laughs> like that. It's like the turbo leg and then boom. And you don't get that with this 2.4. They really uh, they really smooth that out. But the CVT, you're right, is super bland. Is um, it, has, it, it saps the car of its personality, even though I don't know if the if the three row ascent has much personality in the first place. No, wonder, and that's let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the one complaint I have about this vehicle. I, two complaints that I have about this vehicle. The three first complaint. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the first one is I don't think I mean dynamically the vehicle is the least interesting Subaru I've ever driven. And uh, before the podcast, Sammy was like, but wait, what about the current Impreza? And I was like, you know what? The current Impreza does not drive badly. Uh, it doesn't make also, me... I think more affordable and you're allowed to to lose some of your affordability in that, in that situation. Yeah, too. it's... it's it's the, the, the only problem with the Impreza I really have is when you have the automatic transmission, it can feel very slow. It's better now than it was when it first came out. Like, the, the, the more... The, the, the one previous to the current one was was worse at that but i, I never really found I, I still found it it was had had interesting moments the ascent has no interesting moments whatsoever it's the first time and, and this is my second complaint it's the first time i've ever driven a subaru that had no personality at all and we've talked in the past about how subaru builds somewhat quirky vehicles at times and by quirky i don't mean like oh it's gonna get a liberal arts degree and it's gonna live on a commune i just mean like it, wow! It, it, Shots fired at all of Ben's friends. <laughs> I just mean it has character, and I think the Outback has even the modern Outback has character. We've talked about how it's just it's yeah. it's a little bit different from everything in its class. Class, the Forester, even though it has a robot AI that wants to control the planet, has a little bit character. The Impreza yeah. has character. It uh, it, I mean, the Forester recognizes you when you sit in the passenger seat. That's character to me. It's I mean, that's not, terrifying like, it's not to intelligence. It's you know? terrifying <laughs> to me, but call it character if you want. The, the the but the ascent has none of that. The ascent is a bland um, appliance, and it's a good appliance. It does what you need it to do. It hauls people. It's comfortable. It's not super expensive. Uh, it's the right size. It doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, it's not hard to park or anything like that. I believe pricing is. Do you have pricing handy, Sammy? Because I do not. I think it's around thirty-two thousand is the starting price. And the I, and the fully loaded model, I think, is actually pretty affordable at forty-four thousand dollars or something yeah, like that's, that, which that is much cheaper right. than like an Atlas or a Pilot. Yeah. So and I would over if you were comparing it to, I haven't driven the new Pilot yet. I'm getting one. I think next month. But the the Atlas, I, I mean, the Ascent, I think, over the Atlas is is a decision I would make just yep. in terms of uh, the way if you were buying the top tier. You really have a much nicer interior inside this vehicle, but and, and a little bit, it feels a little bit gutsier. But 
It's so bland. It feels like they took the Outback and they ballooned the Outback and in doing so removed everything about the Outback that makes it interesting to drive. And the Outback is already not super interesting to drive to begin with. Like it's right on the cusp of of becoming kind of a dynamically uninteresting vehicle. And okay. that's what struck me the most about the Ascent. I I kind of agree with you in some ways. I think um, you're right, but I also believe that in this class, there are very few vehicles that have character. I think the CX-9 is one of them. I think the Traverse, surprisingly, has uh, a lasting character whenever you drive it. Yes, both much better to drive than, than, the, than the Ascent in terms of engagement. Right. Um, and I think that's about it. The, I think that one of the class leaders... Oh, maybe the, maybe you want to talk about the ford explorer which i think has been losing its personality each year well the explorers i I don't know if that's really the same i mean on paper they match up three row crossovers but i feel like the explorer with you have so much more power available with the explorer sport uh it just feels like a more rugged type of solution to and and um uh cargo volume I'm, i'm trying i don't have the numbers for the the ascent but i think that there might be less inside the ascent than the traverse is that right I don't have the traverse numbers. I don't have any. I didn't. I haven't compared the two directly, so I'm not quite sure yet. And and you know you're right when you say that most vehicles in this class are devoid of personality, and that's fine. Uh, I'm not necessarily complaining about the class. I'm just saying that you know Subaru is a company that's made its bones on building vehicles that you can develop a relationship with and the decision i think that's a great that's a great way to put it yeah and the decision to participate in this class means subaru can't do that anymore or it's meant that they've decided not to do that anymore for this class and that's that's my disappointment with the vehicle i i would love to be able to say wow the ascent not only is it super practical affordable and comfortable but man it's actually kind of cool to drive I, i i can't say that and, and okay. that, that's the, one of the first times I've not been able to say that about a Subaru product. A recent Subaru product. Maybe it's because their standard has gone up so so much higher or they've shown what they can do with, with really mainstream or mass market vehicles that's surprising to see them drop the ball with the Ascent. I don't even know. Sense? I don't even know if they're dropping the ball. Like I'm really hesitant to criticize them for this because there's no need for it to be interesting. I just kind of I just kind of think like, well, Subaru, of course <clears> they would make it interesting. You know, like like Mazda. I don't you think... You expect it, too. Well, yes. This I, I preferred the previous CX-9 a lot more dynamically. The current one is fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, ex- you you expect Mazda to build a people mover that you're going to want to drive. And at least for Subaru, I expected some personality, and I just got none. Even visually, yeah, it's that's not... Yeah, that's my problem it, with it. I mean, well, tell me more about what, how you feel about the looks of this, of this uh, vehicle. It is really the most... Uh, I mean, I don't... It's anonymous. It really is anonymous looking. It looks Especially like in forest. profile. It's, it looks like a Forester that that in, is scaled up by 1.3 or something. And you're looking at it and you're like, I'm not quite sure what I'm looking at until you, you really realize, until you see other cards around it. And you're like, oh, that's a big Subaru. It's probably a cent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the highlight of the car is that 2.4 liter. And that's, and that's uh, and 19 cup holders or however many. I think it's 19. The Ascent is also uh, a vehicle where I was walking on the street towards where I thought I had parked, and I walked by it. 
<laughs> because I didn't know that that's what I was driving. And this is an auto journalist complaint because we switch cars fairly regularly, which can make it difficult in a parking lot situation to remember where, especially since so many crossovers are out there these days, you end up driving what a lot of other people are driving. But on the street, I shouldn't walk by it like on street parking. I should have been able to recognize it, but it's because there were numerous other crossovers nearby and they all kind of look like each other now. And that's suddenly a problem for Subaru where it hasn't really been before. I would not walk by an Outback, you know, like, right. or, or a Forester. I, I would see both of those things. But in profile, this looks so much like a Traverse or a Pilot, or it's got the same kind of greenhouse and, and the, the, the lengthened uh, roof. And it, uh, anyway, so yeah, very good vehicle. If you like Subarus. Exactly. Or, I think that's exactly what it is. If you like Subarus and you need a bigger one, this is going to do the this job. This is going to do the this job. This will do the job. You'll get all the features you want. You'll get all the safety features. You'll get the infotainment if you're into that particular infotainment. Uh, you get a, probably the nicest interior you've ever seen in a Subaru before. Mm -hmm. And it's practical. So there's no reason not to. But if you're buying and driving Subarus because of the personality, mm -hmm. don't make this the only vehicle you test drive. I feel like if you've driven an Outback... And or an imp an Impreza or or any of their fun vehicles, their sporty vehicles, you won't you won't be super enthusiastic about the about the um, ascent. And this is a weird thing because I remember when we first started talking about the ascent, I said, "How are they going to keep selling the Outback? The Outback is kind of like the halo vehicle for the brand." And now you're making a bigger product, and that yeah. might that might overshadow the Outback. And I think. What they've done is they've limited the Outback. I mean, they've limited the Ascent in terms of its Subaru-ness. It's like its Subaru personality in a way that the Outback seems like a better a better Subaru. Do you know what I mean? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, that, that does seem like – I do understand what you're saying for sure. It well, also is so weird to call a car like more Subaru than another Subaru, you know. Like, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you you own a, you own two Subarus right actually, now. Actually, right? I I did buy this month. I bought a an Outback, a 2010 Outback, and that's after looking for a manual transmission all-wheel drive vehicle. And the Outback fit my budget, and it was it. The more I drive it, the more I like it because it it ends up feeling really good at what it does. It's like a winter beater that is not a beater it can it can plow through it can tank through anything it just yeah, and, all conditions and i had an i had an outback too mine was a lot older i had a 97 or 98 mm -hmm. for a while and it, again it was it was extremely capable uh it was also back when it was still essentially a lifted legacy wagon right. so that that's always helpful and i've owned a legacy wagon as well so i'm kind of in that demographic but but sam sorry go on i'm looking forward to driving the ascent in the winter in the snow because to me that's when a Subaru like earns shops. That's when you make that relationship with a Subaru. It's when it's tough conditions and no, and a few other cars would give you the confidence that um, I think the Subarus can offer. Does that make so, sense? It, it it does make sense. But you know I, what would make more sense is to talk about a vehicle that you drove yourself uh, recently yeah. that has a ton of personality. In fact, maybe so much personality that it doesn't leave room for anyone else in the room to, <laughs> to express themselves. And it, what, what what is it that you drove that, that really blew your hair back? Yeah, for one of the last vehicles I drove this year is the 2018 Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. And this is a car that's loaded with personality, so much so that it's hard to figure out like how, who, what is going on. It's just so much noise and, and effects and it's like watching a transformer it's like driving a transformers movie you know so, what i so mean i do know <laughs> what you mean we talk 
we, we talked about the we talked about the trackhawk um not that long ago in november the the second week of november and um i'm very curious to hear you know how you felt after spending a week with it uh, in in civilian conditions Okay, so when I drove it, it is in the heart of um, of holiday season. I had to do all of my my Christmas shopping and 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 Christmas uh, parties, and you know that stuff can be really stressful when you're trying. You're always you feel like you're always scrambling or trying to um, manage traffic. But when you have this 707 horsepower Jeep Grand Cherokee that roars when you touch the throttle. Um, no, actually, not only roars, but like whines. It, it sounds like you're strangling a cat before 3,000 RPM, and then it sounds like a like a rocket ship afterwards. It's 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 insane. So, and, so those of you who aren't familiar with the Trackhawk, 707 horsepower, the number that Sammy quoted, that comes from a 6.2 liter supercharged V8. It's the same engine that you would find in the Hellcat, and they moved it over to the Trackhawk and gave it all-wheel drive, and then said, "Have fun, everybody." <laughs> yeah, the Grand Cherokee, um, and. It was it was insane. It was wild, and it changes your perception on on driving entirely. I'm I'm glad I had to give it back because I would definitely have have gotten a a speeding ticket if I had it for one more week. Because the more you drive it, the more you realize that high speeds are totally reasonable when you've got something this way this powerful. It really does change your your, your behavior on the road. It's so nuts that I actually asked SRT to talk to their uh, two of their engineers and to give me. Give me a primer as to what was going on in the room or what made them decide that this is the car that they can build and why now, too. Um, I think something I talked to you uh, privately about was that the Grand Cherokee was not the Halo SRT, did not receive Halo SRT um, treatment. Back in the day, there was a, a RAM called the SRT 10, and this used an 8. Point, I think 8.4 or 8.4. Yeah, 8.4. V10 from the Dodge Viper at the time. That was the Halo sports car, and they took that V10 and put it into the Ram. Um, and at the same time, I mean, between 06 and 10, that was, I think, the first generation Grand Cherokee SRT. It just had the regular um, SRT engine. Which well, you say you say regular SRT engine. It was still like a, a, a very. It was the most powerful V8 that Chrysler made. But it wasn't the V10. No, because the it, there's no room. I mean, the V10 it's not it's not just it's not just wider than a V than the V8. It's also longer, and then you have to find room for the exhaust manifolds, and then you have to find a transmission that's going to fit that platform, and then you have to find room for the transfer case for the for the all-wheel drive in the Jeep. Because I don't think you could sell a rear-wheel drive only Jeep. So I think that that's a lot of the reasons why you didn't see a V10 anything other than the the pickup which has tons of room anyway because the platform was initially designed for it right and the viper i mean what, what did srt say when you asked they, them that question they had a lot to talk about and it was a lot of fun to talk um to i, I talked to their vehicle their srt vehicles dynamic manager that's eric uh Heuschel, and joe cabina who's the chief engineer for the grand cherokee trackhawk and srt as well so they actually sat me down and talked about um the ram the sorry the srt10 and they said this was a vehicle that we built as a direct um answer to i think the ford lightning the f-150 lightning which at the time had a top speed record for pickup trucks or production yeah the, the supercharged 5.4 liter engine i think it was 380 horsepower when it first came out and they said yeah we can't we can't continue thinking that this is letting people believe that Ford owns that kind of um, record. So they, they they told me that they think they had Ford had that record for about three weeks until they showed up with the the V10 powered Ram, and then that was the end of the story. 
Um, they said they eventually, <laughs> they eventually, their customers started liking it too, but wanted more practicality. So they offered the quad cab and the all-wheel yeah, drive it, and, and automatic versions of the of the truck. I don't think there's an all-wheel drive version of the quad cab. Uh, okay, I think, I think that's it's what I had written. I think that's it's automatic. I, I know they're all automatic, but I don't think they're all-wheel drive. Uh, I know. A lot of people like to tow with them, though. Right. Uh, and they said that was a great car for, for people to tow um, a, a sports car to the track, which I think is really cool. But they said they there were a couple things that made the SRT version like not last very long. Um, or sorry, the SRT 10 not last. First of all, sales did not support what they were doing. And I think using a bespoke V10 from their, their niche uh, high-end sports car also shot them in the like shot them in the foot yeah because ford didn't do that ford took the uh i believe it was a version of the engine that was available in the cobra the mm-hmm. uh the mustang cobra i i i don't quote me on that but i think they both had the 5.4 in that year the terminator cobras so they they had uh, you know they're selling a lot of mustangs so it really helps with their economies of scale so when the grand cherokee track off began to happen actually when the first generation srt showed up they said that was a vehicle that could potentially run with a Cayenne S. Um, and when they did the second generation SRT uh, Grand Cherokee, they were also very happy with its co- its comparison to Mercedes-Benz AMGs, BMW M, X, like X5M and X6M, and even some Land Rover SVO products. So they were, they were happy with their performance level at that stage with the ability to offer it to a more, a wider audience than those European um, automakers. And then they said they started seeing these 600 horsepower Cayenne turbos. And I think if you've seen a GLC or GLE AMG, these things are wild. They're very fast. Um, and they said, you know what, we can do this too. Um, and they took the, they took the Hellcat motor and they put it in the Grand Cherokee. So apparently there was also customer demand. They wanted that kind of performance. So it starts with the customer demand and then they find a, a, a use case scenario for it. They find, um, they build a sort of business case for it and it worked out. One of the things they told me specifically was their goal was that all the European cars limit their torque in the first gear. And they said, when we did this with the Hellcat, we want to make sure that the customer received that full experience from the very first um, gear ratio. And they don't do that in the Grand Cherokee uh, track lock, which I think is insane and quite the mission too, right? No, for sure. It's insane. I also want to correct myself on that Cobra. The Cobra was still using the 4.6 when it was in the uh, Terminator Terminator cars, not the 5.4. Um, and then I asked them a bunch of a bunch of silly questions. I said, you know, what are there any durability concerns when you have a vehicle like this with this much performance? And I think the expectation to, for it to be driven all year long, unlike a, a Challenger, I think if you had a Challenger and you looked outside and it was raining or cold, you could be like. I'm not going to go out in the Challenger today. But whether you have a Grand Cherokee, there's no weather that's bad enough for a, a Jeep Grand Cherokee to, to go out in, right? Like that's true. I, I, drove, I drove the Trackhawk in the snow, and I wasn't on winter tires, and that was an experience. <laughs> so I said, is there anything that you, you had to do to make it feel a little bit more um, confidence-inspiring in, in all weather conditions or for the regular a layman driver? And they said, honestly, they didn't. They had to refine it. They said that one of their main concerns was making the supercharger whine quieter for the Grand Cherokee. I know, and I, I wish that they hadn't, because why don't I want to hear that? 
Um, and the reason they did that is because the Jeep is now the Jeep Trackhawk is now reaching a new sales um, tier for them. Getting close to $100,000 for a Jeep is is wild, and they're like, customers are going to demand a lot of refinement from their vehicle at that price point, not just performance. It's true. But the car doesn't require any any out like really outlandish um, maintenance. It still goes 10,000 miles between oil changes. It's still tested and rated to, to tow and can even trail in some situations, they said. It comes with warranty. The only thing that you have to br- you have to do is break it in before you use launch control, and that's that's about it. In fact, they said that the the re- the the fact that it the Grand Cherokee. Sorry, I'm having I'm having a tough time forming my sentence when I'm thinking about this. The fact that the Grand Cherokee already had its development and handled all of the testing and durability concerns to be a trail rated Jeep, and then they added the SRT. And they also have to test it. They, have, they go through really rigorous heat cycle uh, and aero cycle testing um, on tracks and in on drag strips to make sure that the SRT equipment can handle that kind of abuse. The fact that it's both of these sort of tests that they have to they have to put these vehicles through means that this might be one of the more durable and long lasting so vehicles. That what you're saying is there's two worlds that collide here and, and these two different worlds of stress testing. Yeah. So like whereas most performance cars will just get performance testing and most trucks will just get off road testing, the Trackhawk gets both. Right. I mean the Grand Cherokee is built already to go trail is supposed to be trail rated right from the get go, right? And not all I'm not well, all, all some version some versions are, yes. I think I think all Grand Cherokees are. It's like the Wrangler mm. too, right? Like you can you can buy a rear wheel drive Grand Cherokee. Oh, that's right. Okay, then from what I understand, it's it's about it's about colliding those two worlds. That's what I understood is that they they said that they developed the Grand Cherokee to be um, able to to rough it, and then an SRT is also supposed to be able to handle so much abuse on the track or whatever it is. So did you what did you use launch control? I didn't use launch control. I didn't have a chance to. I mean. Like it's terrifying. Like, I don't – it's – no, I'm serious. Like, in the thing is you're still in, like, a 5,400-pound a Jeep, right? Mm-hmm. So you still need a – launching in a city in a school zone or, <laughs> or like, at, at night – No one does this. That no, no one, no one would ever do that. that. Or, or at night in the wet – uh, you get going so quickly, but you still have to stop. Like you always have to stop at some point, and you get to the you get to that stop point so much faster, but you don't necessarily get to that zero point that much faster because right. it's got great big brakes. But when I was driving it here in Montreal, it was super cold, and so the tires weren't really happy, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just wild. Like it feels it feels like a stallion. Like you're really you're along for the ride. And it's interesting because I drove it on the we talked about it last month. I drove it on the racetrack this summer mm-hmm. and it was very controllable. I mean, it's still very heavy. You still have to remember to brake earlier than you would in say a sedan. But uh you put it in the real world and I I mean, I haven't driven it on a lot of snow, but in the wintertime you could really get yourself into a lot of trouble if you want to. Well, I mean, to. it uses some really really aggressive summer tires doesn't it or or performance tires well it kind of has to but, but i mean it not only does it have uh, aggressive tires but it has to have aggressive truck rated tires so they can tow and haul right like it has mm. it has to be able to haul they, they they need to be capable to handle additional weight i'm um, not sure there's there's winter tires wide enough to to support a track lock though you know what well, I you mean? don't you don't need i mean in the winter you don't That's necessarily true. want wider tires right Absolutely. so maybe at least so so 
it's not, I mean, like you said, you can drive it in the winter. I mean, mm-hmm. is it designed to do that? And, and within the same spec as in the summer? No. I mean, it's going to be safe and it's going to be fine, but I don't think you can expect the same level of cornering and stopping and acceleration, which is fine. I mean, it, this is, if you have to have this as your only car, you're going to do okay, uh, unless, especially if you own a gas station, because <laughs> it's one of the, the thirstiest vehicles I've ever driven in my life, um, because you always want to be hitting the throttle hard, because it sounds amazing. Um, I wanted to, to talk about what they've achieved, though. They, they've managed to make a car that is, I, like I said, at its high end, it's about uh, $100,000. It could be, I think you can have it for less than that, but I'm not 100% sure. But if you were to get a Cayenne Turbo, um, let's see how much a Cayenne Turbo. I think there's Cayenne Turbo. It costs a lot of money. Yeah. Those are 124000 And that's not even the Turbo S, actually. That's just and how much regular. horsepower does that have, Sammy? Um, let me Considerably less than the Trackhawk. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> and then I was looking at, uh, I was actually looking at the AMGs. Because these are these are also wild. Like, let's see a GLE sixty three S. This costs one hundred and ten thousand and has uh, five hundred seventy seven horsepower. Yeah, and the so, Trackhawk starts at eighty six thousand and start and gives you seven hundred seven horsepower. Eighty six thousand. So these other cars are actually in the hundred thousand mark, and that's that's a lot of money to save between cars, right? And but I want to talk about something else that's a lot of money to save too though because if you just pick up the SRT Jeep and I hate saying just the SRT Jeep just, because yeah, it is one of my favorite vehicles period. It's uh, great. I think it's one of the best all-arounders on the market and that gives you 475 horsepower and 470 pound-feet of torque. It's 68 grand. So you're looking at about uh, almost twenty thousand, maybe sixteen thousand dollar difference between that and the Trackhawk. So the Trackhawk oh, for sixteen grand, you get another two hundred and some some odd horsepower, two hundred twenty five horsepower, and you get an insane amount of torque, and you get bragging rights. I mean, okay, you have the sorry. most powerful sixteen grand between cars. I take a Trackhawk, man. As good as the SRT is, and the SRT is very good, but to be able to stomp anything, absolutely anything that comes your way, um, to answer that question with a Trackhawk is. That's worth it. See, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know if I want to drive. Okay, 100%. I do know that I don't want to drive that much horsepower every day. <laughs> That's true. I have a, it I have a personal. so much restraint. It does. I have a personal on the street limit, and I've discovered this and we've talked about it in the past. 500 horsepower, I don't need more than that on the street. And my own, my own car is the most I have is 400, and that's enough. It's really enough for me. So 475 from the SRT, that, that's really the sweet spot. And and if I wanted to make more power, I could. You can you can always. I mean, I don't. I'm never going to take. The, the Trackhawk is so phenomenally engineered because you can take it to a racetrack and repeatedly turn in laps or drag passes, and it's going to stay cool. It's not going to give you any hassles. You're going to be able to um, rely on the engineering that's in the in the vehicle. Uh, I don't need to do that. I would never take a track off to the racetrack. I've driven it on the racetrack and it does fine. It's not fun because it's a it's a large, high centered vehicle. It's it's not going to be a replica, uh, the same type of experience as a sports car, and that's what I want on a racetrack. So just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you should. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it's a great achievement, but I would never use it for what it was built for. Whereas the SRT model kind of kind of cuts in the middle. Like I'm not taking that on the track either, but I'm saving 16 grand at the same time. And it does have a lot of that personality too. It sounds really good. It feels pretty good too on the road. It's not that like 
launch missile that you get with the Trackhawk. And I yeah. think the I'm not 100% certain on the track capabilities of uh, of the regular SRT compared to the Trackhawk. I, I've driven it on a racetrack as well, and it was perfectly fine. Again, not something I would do on a regular basis, but I wouldn't take any SUV to a racetrack, uh, period. Yeah. I, I just would. I've driven most of them on it, and they all acquit themselves admirably, but there's something lacking because you're so disconnected from the experience just because of the mass and the height of the vehicle. And that's not, that's really not a knock against what SRT do, has done with this vehicle because in in the hands of a, of a much better driver than me, I mean, they're definitely going to beat my times in, in, in a sports car. It's, it's, it's incredibly capable. But I have to, I have to reiterate the track hawk chain, like really changes your behavior on the, on the road, having access to that much power, um, almost in a very accessible way. It's not like you, you don't have to think as much when you just put your foot down rather than changing gears or something. Although like that. you really should, you, you really, really should, should think before before you put your foot down <laughs> in that car in particular. And I think I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my my fiance under the bus a little bit because you oh, know man. when oh, when no. I drove uh, uh, when I drove it a little fast and she would be eventually we'd get stuck in traffic again. She'd be like, "Wow, these people need to get the hell out of the way." And I'm looking at the speedo and I'm like, "We're already you know we're we're right uh, we're left lane appropriate right now." And she's like, yeah, but these people don't know what this car can do. They need to get out of the way now. So even in the passenger seat, she's she's exhilarated by the by the performance. And she sees that the car can do much more. And it's wild to have that access every single day to go. I can go faster. So you're saying the Trackhawk essentially turned your fiance into some type of speed vigilante. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um she, I mean, she's she's usually actually really reserved on the road, um, and she always manages to beat my fuel, my fuel consumption, my average fuel consumption in both cars that we we own by a considerable margin. It, like embarrasses me. But, uh, <laughs> but what's funny is speaking of fuel mileage, if you go to the Jeep website and you're building a, a Grand Cherokee, uh, it lists alongside the prices for each of the Grand Cherokee models. It lists their various attributes, and every vehicle has their range listed, like the yeah. range towing and the transmission. So 639 miles is like the top range for like let's say the Summit mm-hmm. and trim level, and then you get to SRT, and there's no mention of range. <laughs> it's just like horsepower, torque, and towing, and yeah. then you get to Trackhawk, and and it's horsepower, torque, towing, and zero to sixty in three and a half seconds, which yeah. is obscene it for is. how heavy this vehicle is. How big it is, but like I said, it is a it is a showcase. It really is. They've they've done something that I didn't expect to happen. I thought it was just going to be a truck with power, um, but it it's was so much more than that. It was really dramatic. It's it in this final moments of 2018, it really stood out um, as one of the more interesting, most interesting cars that I drove. One of the most interesting cars I drove. Now you're saying final moments of 2018, Sammy. This is is this our last podcast of the year? I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the last podcast <laughs> of the year. Sometimes we record them in, in, in advance. Just for, Sometimes we record them in a submarine underneath the Antarctic Ocean. And we uh, never know what day of the year it is. Sometimes, yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, day for night down there doesn't make a difference. Sometimes we record them in a hot air balloon tethered above Sammy's apartment. Uh, it's just, it's a nice vibe. What can I say? It's very peaceful. Uh, but this time we are not doing either of those things. And it is the last podcast of the year. Sammy, do you have any thoughts about 2018 in terms of cars? What was the most interesting vehicular experience you had this year? And just keep it short because people aren't really that interested. But if you could give us driving the Lamborghini um, Huracan Performante was really good. It was an example of Lamborghini doing some really good engineering and, and performance tuning. And then also driving the completely 
camouflaged being one of the few people to drive the completely camouflaged Toyota Supra was also very bizarre as well. And uh, it, what are you looking forward to the most next year? Oh man, there's a lot to look forward to next year. Trucks. If you like trucks, you're gonna love next year. Uh, between, the, <laughs> between the Ranger and the new Gladiator, I think that's gonna be an exciting conversation to have. And then I think a new F-150 might be showing up, or a Bronco too. So I mean, you're gonna love trucks. Uh, and I can't wait to see what happens next. Well, if you want to see what happens next, you're gonna have to subscribe what? to our podcast. And if you want to do that, the best way to do that is to go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com because we have the subscription links for whatever podcast service you're using, whether it's iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, Castbox. It's all there. Or you can just go to your own uh, podcast player, whether whatever it is, the <laughs> app, the service, and look for unnamed automotive podcast. <clears throat> excuse me unnamed automotive podcast there sammy if they want to get in touch with us and ask us about what the future is going to be like how can they do that i mean i would recommend if they go to the website where you can get all those links to subscribe there's also a contact form there and i promise we don't we don't use or sell your information to anyone and it's totally uncensored especially, yeah especially to the forester robot that looks into our souls um, you can reach it, uh, reach out to us from there, or you can reach out to us on social media. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Um, and you can find Ben on Instagram. He's hunt at hunting Benjamin. You can also email him the old fashioned way. He's Benjamin at benjaminhunting.com. Isn't that it? So. Yeah, that is exactly it. And we hope that you've enjoyed uh, yet another year with us. We appreciate everyone who listens because you guys do listen and we see it every week and the number of downloads we're getting and the people who are getting in touch with us. Uh, we do this for you guys. It's uh, We appreciate that you're there and we're going to keep doing it for that reason. That's exactly. And actually, we have some really good ideas for next, uh, for next year. Uh, so be sure to subscribe and stay on top of your downloads and listens because you're going to love what happens next. So thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great, have a great end of 2018. Bye.